Amen. Thank you, Jessica. And who knows what that song was? Raise your hand if you think you know what that song was. Huh? Okay, there's one. What did you just say it out loud? Okay. The heart of worship, right, Jessica? Thank you for bringing us back to the heart of worship, which is it's all about you. Appreciate that. We haven't sung that song for a while. That was refreshing. Well, we are winding down our series on the book of Proverbs, and we've been looking at in these final chapters the um, living in wisdom and in particularly the wise family. And so we have looked at wise parenting. According to Proverbs, we've looked at what it means to be a wise man, and that is a man that stays at home instead of strays at home, and he he provides and he protects, and he offers leadership. And we've looked at the wise woman with Proverbs 31 as a Mother's Day message. There's another topic that we need to address here that is very, very prominent in the book of Proverbs. It's not a very fun topic to talk about, and if you've read the bulletin, you already know what it is. And this topic is, uh, it's, it's really an unwise thing to be. And it's not something that builds up the home or cares for those under your charge. It's actually a type of person or a, a choice of lifestyle that destroys homes and brings much destruction, as we will see as we read God's Word this morning. As a matter of fact, this topic is so prevalent in the book of Proverbs that I can't even cover all the passages. I'm not going to break it into two sermons. Enough will be said in one. But there are even more powerful passages that could be explored, and we just will not have time to look at those. So if you've looked at your bulletin, you will know that the unwise woman that we're going to talk about this morning is otherwise known as the adulterous woman. And I will say that the frequency that we find these passages in the book of Proverbs, uh, their length and their intensity reveals that fornication and adultery was a problem in the days of Israel when this was written as well as what we find in our day. So we're going to let Scripture speak into our lives this morning regarding this topic. I remember several years ago now. Um, I was I was duped several years ago with this. Uh, I received a copy of the Courier Record in the mail. Subscribe to that. And one of the big headlines had something to do with the fact that a list of names of people that had been cheating on their spouses were going to be published. And I think it said something about an investigator had found these things out of local people and um, had the list. And the next issue, these names were going to be published in the Courier Record. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is huge. You've got to be kidding me. And I, 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 my curiosity was piqued. I'm like, wow, I'm going to read. I wonder who's going to be on that list of cheating spouses. And then I kind of then I thought, thought about it a little more deeply and I thought, oh, man, that's not good because then there's going to be so many innocent people that are going to be affected by this. I don't know about this. Well, I was duped because if you're a Blackstonian, you already know that that was one of the April Fool's editions of the paper. I didn't know they had such a thing as an April Fool's edition of a paper. I thought the paper was supposed to speak the truth. 
Yeah, that same issue said Clint Eastwood was going to film a movie, a good, a good military movie at Fort Pickett and things like that. I mean, I'm just taking all this stuff in and I didn't know you were allowed to do that. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I just I just thought that what a terrible feeling if that something like that were true. Can you imagine reading your hometown paper to find that people who have been cheating on their spouses, their names were going to be published. I just cannot imagine reading that if I were guilty and thinking about uh, living on pins and needles, the, the terrible fear of this exposure for this sin. My goodness, is did they find am I found out? Can you imagine having one week to wonder what do I do with this? Well, many of these passages in Proverbs are very vivid concerning the seductive nature of this woman of adultery. But I'll just say right up front, if you're wondering why it's in the book, why it's in Scripture, and what is this message all about, it is that it clearly teaches that absolutely no pleasure is worth the disastrous results of becoming involved in adulterous Situation. That is the bottom line teaching that I will just tell you right up front. And we also want to keep in mind that those who succumb to the adulterous woman are no less guilty than the adulterous woman herself. As the saying goes, it takes two to tango. And so to give in is to participate. In this sin, we want to keep that in mind. So the first point of four this morning is her destructive path and how she takes you down it. We find this in Proverbs 2, 16 through 19. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Chapter 2 earlier is really a, a chapter on wisdom. And so it's this call, a beckoning to be wise, to get wisdom. And it's talking about the benefits of wisdom. And so wisdom, it begins now to say that you will be delivered from the forbidden women. Woman, what will deliver you from this kind of relationship? Well, it doesn't say that fortunately your mom and dad will deliver you from this or your friends will intervene and deliver you from this or your Bible club or whatever it is. This passage says that it is wisdom that will deliver us. Now, wisdom from without, which is those other things, is another resource from God. And we can help one another watch out for the pitfalls of life. It's a grace of God, a gift of God. That's what I will call wisdom from without. But in this passage, it's wisdom from within. And it's important for us to know that up front, that, that how crucial it is for us to know God and his word, which is where the wisdom comes from. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where we get understanding for how life should be lived. And it's important for us to understand that because there will be many, many times in our lives where the only thing that's standing between us and a disastrous result 
or a disastrous decision is our own character, our own wisdom, what we know, what we believe, and our personal resolve because people can't be there all the time. As important as they are and the role they play, they can't be all there all the time. We will be put definitely, most assuredly, in situations in our lives where we have to be prepared. We just have to know in advance what to look out for. And these passages do an excellent job at training us and honing our senses and hopefully our wisdom. <clears throat> wisdom is what will deliver us. A few things to note about this passage. First, notice that she's called the forbidden woman. We've heard that word forbidden many times in Scripture. Most of the times we talk about the forbidden fruit when God set man, Adam and Eve, in the garden and said you can eat from any tree except this one, this fruit. We call it the forbidden fruit because it was don't eat of this or else kind of forbidden. And that's what this teacher brings into this passage this woman is the forbidden woman. That this, this woman is off, out of bounds. You know, it's not an option in your drop-down menu of things to do for the day or, or pleasures to be had. There are boundaries and, and guidelines set. And this is absolutely forbidden or else. And why is she forbidden? Not just because it's, a, it's an illicit affair. She's, be, she's forbidden because of the covenant that she has made between man and God. She is a married woman. And though we don't, aren't so much in the habit of thinking about marriage these days with God so present, you'll notice that when almost whenever Scripture talks about marriage, God is in it. Because it's a covenant and his presence is there. And it's not just between a man and a woman. But man and a woman come and make vows to one another and commitments to one another in the presence of God. And so God is involved in that covenant relationship. So God is the authority that says that's out of bounds. That's off limits. It's absolutely forbidden. Marriage, it's sacred. And you are meant, one man and one woman, you are meant only for each other to enjoy only each other. As long as you shall live. I've said it many times, I know you've heard as well, ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. And when I was doing a little research for this passage, I saw this article that said something about why do so many people cheat? And Dr. Love was going to answer this question. I don't know who she is in real life, called her Dr. Love. So I thought, okay, how is Dr. Love going to answer this very, very valid question of why so many people cheat on their spouses today? So her answer was this. Well, we are human animals. And it is our nature, it's very natural for us to want multiple partners just like the animals do. That was her answer. And then the question, a good question was asked, well, then how do you explain the fact that most people actually want monogamous relationships and they don't want to share? They want this thing to be for keeps and they don't want to have to share the person that they love or the person that they've committed to. How do you explain that? And she said, well, that's just the selfish nature of man. We get attached to things and we don't want to share. 
And I'm reading this thing and I just had to stop because that kind of stuff really gets into my crawl because it is exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches about marriage and human nature. The God says, no, when you enter, marriage is designed for a no sharing commitment to one another. You are meant for only each other. And there's beautiful pleasure that can be had there. And it's just for you too. And it is not sinful at all for you to dive in and enjoy each other in this way. Exclusively. You don't have to share in this kind of relationship. And all the passages in scripture about where you should share. And it's more blessed to give than receive. Not in in marriage. We worship God. We honor God by being enthralled with one another. By becoming one. It's it's sacred. It's meaningful in that. And here is this person. And of course people are going to read this on the internet. and, And people will wonder. Well if you don't have a knowledge of God. If you don't have the wisdom that Proverbs is talking about. You'll wonder. Well that's a great question. Why do so many people cheat? Oh we're animals and we're really meant for multiple partners. Now if you follow that, that idea out. Where's that going to leave society? And the fact that she called something. No, that scripture calls noble. Don't share your spouse. Selfish. Oh so. You're selfish because you're not going to share your spouse. What kind of world or society would we become if people actually lived according to that kind of teaching? God is the higher authority. So if you say, well, then where do you get your where do you make your decisions from? Where do you draw your conclusions from about right and wrong and whether we should share from Scripture? God is the higher authority. He's the one that. That permits and forbids things. He's the one that speaks into this relationship. And this woman forgets, it says. It forgets that her covenant is before God. And this as the first passage I'm reading this and I'm thinking, you know, there's something missing in this passage. The teacher of Proverbs, he doesn't even mention the husband here. He doesn't mention, and you know the husband's been violated. And, of course, we don't know anything about this. But, obviously, if you just found out about this and you were the husband, you've been violated. Your whole life has changed. You could be upset. You could be heartbroken. Your covenant, the the, the vows have been broken. There's been a betrayal here. And all of that pain of the husband isn't even brought up. What is brought up is that she has forgotten the covenant of her God. So the teacher brings marriage and and adultery and also the participant right on in to the perspective of what God thinks about it and how it has violated God and his standard. And the person that we would think would need to rise up and be recognized, the husband, isn't even mentioned in this passage. Very interesting. The second observation is notice what she uses to allure him. She uses enticing words. And this is why the teacher is saying we need to apply biblical wisdom. Even in situations like this. We looked at wise business. We need wisdom in our business, in our family, in our speech. We looked at wise speech. And Proverbs has a lot to say. And it's not just about what we speak. But it's all so about how we hear. What are we listening to? And Proverbs wants us to be good listeners. 
so that we can actually discern of all the information, all the things that people are saying to us. We want to build the ability to discern what does that mean and where are they going with this? That is also very, very important because one of the gateways to this kind of destruction is simply smooth words. This person entices with their words. This person is first. We're not even introduced to uh, the, the flesh, the enticing flesh yet. It's all seduction through words. And so words do have the power to disarm us. Uh, friendliness, a very personableness. These are somebody that is practices adultery or prostitution that we'll look at later. They most of the time they know exactly what to say. They're, they're pros in some cases. They and the thing is, we have to watch out because words are so powerful. A lot of times that uh, they will look for weaknesses in our heart. They will look for ways to 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 get into our lives and ways to uh, manipulate and capitalize on this. So they have a collection of enticing words to make us their prey. It could be a weakness of, say, loneliness. They might, through conversation, detect that we're a lonely person and then that would be their way in. I can solve that for you. Or it may be pride and they might feed our ego and say words that just feed that right in there and keep going and keep going and catch us with that and Proverbs says this kind of stuff we need to be wise and as soon as we discern that this is fake if this is taking us down that path of destruction you need to walk around it just like you walk around a cow patty in the past you don't step right in it you you go around it and he's saying discern this and as soon as you discern that these words are fake or phony or they manipulative or or that that you are becoming prey just go around it don't have anything to do it. And I think about today, most of the enticements, although this still happens in, in person, absolutely. But we have today what they didn't have. And I'm sure if they'd have had it back in that day, we would be reading all about it in the book of Proverbs. And that's what we face on the Internet. Because many of the solicitations and the invitations for, uh, for illicit relationships, or even if it's just through the Internet and not a physical thing, though it's still a violation, come through the Internet. And so today we need to ask ourselves, are we, are we uh, Internet savvy? Do we know what emails that we should d- just delete before we even open? You know, how about our level of curiosity? We have to learn to detect things because they are getting more and more... Um, the, the spam and so forth, these people that want to manipulate get wiser and wiser, and they are finding ways to just get us to open these emails so that it can lead us down this path. There's a lot of things like it's a reply. I'll get things that says, if this is a, a, I'm, re, I'm returning your reply or I'm getting back to you. I'm thinking, okay. You know, it used to be when you get a reply, that meant you actually sent somebody something, not anymore. So there's all these things that we have to be very, very careful because they get very, very smart and enticing with ways to cause us to open up. Sometimes it even calls us by name. Of course, they have access to all these things. If you are on the um, Internet, your life is public. FYI. So they have Internet to all these things. 
And you can get these kind of invitations. So we want to be wise about that and and not be naive. We need that wisdom from within so we are not preyed upon. So we most certainly will be. And then he describes how this path, this path of enticement, it's, it's this dark path. So you're kind of going from light, the light of day. And as you're being Lord, it's getting darker and darker. And it's a path of destruction where there's no way out. And the reason it talks about that is because if we're going to forsake God and we're just going to keep following sin, the wages of sin is death. And yeah, that's that's where it leads us. It just gets darker and darker and darker because we're cutting ourselves out to God's light. And he he paints a picture. It's almost like the horror movie when you're watching um, the person come up to the haunted house and there's this big iron gate and there's spider webs all over it. And they're kind of opening it up and it's creaking or they come up to the they get in the house and there's the cellar stairs. And they have the flashlight and they're looking down and they're going down and the flashlight just happens to go out when it's getting even darker. And, and you're thinking, no, no. Don't go down there, you idiot. Can't you see? This is a horror movie. And Proverbs is basically saying, no, no, don't go. Don't listen. Don't take one more step. No, this is a real life horror situation. Don't you know what's waiting for you down in that basement? You'll never make it out alive. And this is almost like a a horror movie version of a scriptural warning to anybody that would be naive enough to listen to these kinds of solicitations and forsake their God. The next passage is Proverbs 5, 3 through 6. It's it's similar for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. We need to recognize that God himself is recognizing how tempting this is. He is crediting the power of the words and how they just seem to know exactly what to say. The perfect combination to wear a, a person down. They are enticing. They are incredibly professional, exciting, delightful. They are designed to arouse us and to captivate us. And God recognizes us, uh, recognizes this. But he also says, think about where they lead. The words are sweet, but where they lead, it's it's bitter It's bitterness. It's wormwood, which is just the most disgusting thing that you would ever put in your mouth. It's nauseating. It will make you throw up. I mean, it's just totally gross. It's like dog do brownies or something. You just don't want to eat those things. And he's he's saying, you know, if if this is you, welcome to your own funeral. Because each word is like a process of embalming. We'll soon see the physical seduction as well, but just want to draw attention to the power of words because lust hasn't even taken place yet. This is all just through the ears and she's targeting potential needs of the soul through the hearing ear. 
And here's the point. She is offering to fill a real need. If they're good, if a, if a person is good at seduction, they will find a true need. So she is offering to fill a true need, whether it's loneliness or whatever, in the wrong way. In the way that leads to death and destruction. And it all begins with the seduction of words. So wisdom, discernment, understanding who is speaking the words. We need to know the difference between a true compliment and flirtatious words in our everyday life. Who's speaking them? What is the motive? What do they mean by saying that? Why is this person building me up? Why do they always seem to, to, to come to my side or to have only good things to say about me? Why do they keep pointing these things out? Where are they headed with this? Is that a true compliment? Are they building me up in the Lord? Or are they tearing my, my system down and disarming me to find that place in my soul of weakness? So that I will become their prey. This is so, so important. And yes, we face it in our culture. Verse 6 says, her ways wander, which just means she's living in absolute sin and rebellion. We see in Proverbs 6.23. Now we make a little transition. 6.23 through 29. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Let me just say that in Sunday school this morning, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians said in 515, don't be unwise. Don't walk around as an unwise person. He says, rather be wise. Why did he say to be wise? Because the days are evil. So, if the days are evil, and almost everybody I talk to now, especially believers, can't talk enough about how evil our day is. What is one of the most powerful remedies of the evil day? Wisdom. And where does wisdom begin? The fear of the Lord. You're in the right place. You're in the right place to, to fight off. And to overcome the evil days that we live in. A lamp until to the light. So verse 25, he continues. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. And do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. I don't see the fake eyelashes as much as you used to when they first came out with about three inches long. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down, hunts down a precious life. So now we've just moved from the power and the allure of words to the physical attraction, the beauty here. The flashing of the eyelashes where the woman uses her, her physical beauty to capture someone's attention. But here's the thing. This speaks... More to the lust of the heart. Did you notice this? He's not just teaching us about the adulterous woman. What is he teaching us about now? Our own hearts. The lust that is in our heart. And he's saying, don't just be aware of this, but be aware of what's in your heart. 
Wisdom saves you from these kind of things. So it's not just adultery that's the problem here. Because that's her problem, but the lust is your problem. That's on you. That's yours. And if it's a weakness, she will surely see it and arouse it. Verse 26, a married woman hunts down a precious life. He puts it in terms of hunting. So we become the prey of someone who wants to seduce us, whatever, male or female. We become the prey. So the purpose, just like we would hunt, we have a plan. Well, we know where to go, where we're most likely to be successful. We have the weapons that we need to be successful. And that's what this person has done. Recently, our family went to the zoo for something fun to do. And, um, you know, they have these little plaques with little descriptive information about the animals and so forth. And so we come to the lion. And I'm reading about the lion. And for the lion, it says, he is at the top of the food chain. He has no predators. And I remember commenting to Josiah, I said, look at that. Wouldn't it be nice to just be up here and you, you're in the jungle and you, it doesn't matter day, night, you can sleep anywhere sound because no one is going to mess with you. That's the lion. That's what God... How God made the lion. And this person wants to be at the top of our food chain. Wants to control us. Wants to manipulate us. Wants to devour us. A hunter using seduction. And then rhetorical questions. Proverbs 6, continuing 6 now, 27 through 29. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. This is the same principle that we read from beginning of to the end of Scripture. You reap what you sow. You play with fire. You're going to get burned. You just can't. You can't take those hot logs out of the fireplace and carry them outside without experiencing much, much pain. And so that pleasurable thought or action can turn deadly very, very quickly. Destructive. It can destroy our life in one way or another. Maybe even literally. And by the way, commandment number seven. Is what? Count them down. Commandment number seven. You shall not commit adultery. What was the consequence in that culture for adultery? Death. Capital punishment. And that culture could lead to death. Now, in our culture, in other ways, not in that way. Well, actually, yes, in that way, there still is capital punishment for certain kinds of... Um, in the Middle East, for homosexual relationships, people can be stoned to death if they are found out. Capital punishment. <clears throat> so you reap what you sow. I opened with what was meant to be funny, you know, the April Fool's issue of the Courier Record, and I fell for it. And I'm sad I did that, but I learned, and I don't believe a thing they write in there from this day forth. <laughs> 
true or not. And so it was supposed to be harmless. But something of great magnitude happened in real life. And it happened not even a year ago. So it's very, very fresh. And I read an article about Richmond. And WTVR wrote this article. And it did a story. And this was just a little less than a year ago. It did a story on why the divorce lawyers in Richmond were so busy performing up to 10 divorces a day. And there was a reason for that. Why were these marriages failing at such a rapid rate? Well, perhaps some of you are reminiscent of the Ashland, the Ashley Madison scandal, I guess you'd call it. Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison was a website that was specifically designed for adulterous relationships. Unbelievable. Very, very effective. And very, very alluring and private. Uh, They absolutely promised. The whole point of it was that you wouldn't get caught. And so it would say, what better way? You want to commit adultery, but the last thing in the world you want to get caught is to get caught. So what better way is to commit adultery with somebody else who the last thing they want to do is get caught? It's all in secret. Nobody ever knows. Their motto was, life is short, have an affair. Well, there were a team of hackers that didn't appreciate this website and another one. that's affiliated with it. I don't know what the name of it was. And so they threatened. And they said, we have hacked your website. And we are going to publish all the names of the subscribers on this website if you do not shut it down. They didn't shut it down. So can you imagine, this is all on the news now. I'm, I'm guessing that many of you are aware of it. This, this was public news. Uh, can you imagine if you were subscribed to this website and this is going on and like somebody says, no, we've hacked it and your name may get published if they don't shut it down. And you're thinking, this is not good. You've you got to be kidding me. Talk about being on pins and needles and, and living in fear and anxiety and is my life ruined? What is going to happen? And you go down that path. Well, they did not take it down. And this team did exactly what they said they were going to do and they published this list. I never saw it. But they published this list and it, the fallout was great because there were big wigs on this list. There were politicians. There were celebrities. I never really found out I don't know if they ever, how they protected themselves. I think there were some articles of of it. I didn't pursue it back then. But anyway, it was a great big deal. And there were very, very important people on this list. And their names went public. And so when it went public, there were a lot of people checking it, mostly wives, checking it frantically. Is it possible that my spouse's name is on this list that they subscribed to this website. So they frantically did their checking to see. And some of the spouses would go on there and find out that their spouse's name was on it and were totally blindsided, had absolutely no idea that they were having an affair of this sort. Others went on it because they were already suspicious and kind of figured, hmm, wouldn't surprise me at all. And sure enough. They would find this out. It was mostly women that were checking the site. 
And I say mostly women because one of the other things that the hackers found out is that 90% of the subscribers, the 40 million subscribers, 40 million subscribers, 90% of them were men. So there were a lot more men, there were too many men in fact, to go around for the 10% of the women that subscribed, obviously. And so what some of the men would do and, and hackers and so forth is they would set up false accounts and pose as women. This is real life. This really happened. And as a result of this, and as a result of people's names being published, uh, people lost their jobs. The boss finds out about it, sees your name on it. You could have a great job. Six figures, whatever. Sorry, but we're going to have to release you because we want to be a reputable establishment and we cannot be associated with this kind of stuff. Many, many people, and I don't know how many, but if 40 million subscribed, 36 were active apparently, uh, this is a, a huge fallout. So a lot of people's careers were ruined because of this. Now, we can read in ancient times about the destruction in that day. But think about it in our day. It's still real. Sin still hurts. And so they lost their jobs. Marriages were destroyed. Not only do spouses find out, but kids find out. My parents are committing adultery. I had no idea. Now it's public knowledge. It's not even a, a family secret. Friends know about it. Neighbors know about it. Kids' lives, family members' lives, destroyed, devastated. Celebrities, shamed. Politicians, shamed and humiliated. And you know how sin works? Many people were blackmailed. If you don't want your name to get out, I need some money. And then, of course, the scammers got in it and they sent... Emails to these people who are on the list, I'm told. And they basically said right before that time it was going to be published. If you don't want your name published, if these hackers actually do it, send me your money and we'll take your name off the list. So if it ever is published, you won't be on it. Scammed, every one of them. We're talking hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars are transacted in this because of this website based on Adultery, large, large sums of money. Proverbs 29, 3, a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. People's wealth squandered. And it gets even worse than that. Not only were, were lives destroyed and ruined in relationships and talk about this path down to destruction. But yes, some people literally died as a result of this. Because there were about a handful of people that said, rather than face the, the shame and the humiliation, I'm ending my life. And there were people that committed suicide because of this. How about the church? Did a church take a hit? Yes, I don't know the full ramifications. There was an article in Christianity Today where the uh, publisher, one of the writer, editor, Ed Stetzer, said that he predicted there were about 400 high-profile pastors or Christian leaders that would be affected of the, on this list. I never saw a follow-up article. I have, I don't, maybe some of you did. I didn't take the time to research it. So I don't know 
the fallout as far as those 400 pastors. But I did read about one for sure that uh, that saddened my heart um, and just talk about sobering. One of the names on that list was R.C. Sproul Jr. And this is all public information. So I'm not breaking any kind of confidence. I'm not shaming anyone. R.C. Sproul Jr., R.C. Sproul, his father, of course, is the um, founder of Ligonier Ministries. Very, very powerful ministry to this very day. They do the Table Talk magazine. And R.C. Jr. was a uh, powerful minister and a part of that. Uh, He served on the board, um, was one of the teaching fellows, rector and chair of philosophy and theology at the Ministries Reformation Bible College. Edited the ministry magazine, Table Talk. Some of you subscribe to that. And here's what he wrote. And this is less than a year ago. On his blog, he said he accessed the site. He said in a moment of weakness, pain and from an unhealthy curiosity. My goal was not to gather research for critical commentary, but to fan the flames of my imagination. First, I felt the grace of fear. Second, I felt the grace of shame. I was there long enough to leave an old email address and within minutes I left never to return. I did not sign up for their service or interact with any clients. I have always remained faithful to my wife even after her passing. His wife died in 2011, I believe, of cancer or something like that. He goes on to say, the grace of God's judgment bore its fruit. And by his grace, I repented of my sin. By his grace, I have also received his forgiveness, the outworking of his love. Prophetic providence. Providence had done its good office. Jesus died for this sin. But there are still earthly consequences. With the revelation of the hack has come the revelation of my sin. I recently informed the Board of Legionnaire Ministries, which has handled the matter internally, having suspended me until July 1st, 2016, which is right around the corner. was today, June 5th. He continues, I also informed my presbytery, which is also handling the matter internally, and now the world is informed. My sin, sadly, has impacted those who are innocent, my colleagues, friends, and family. I have and will continue to seek their forgiveness, and I cover your prayers. I believe him, but this is just an example of how real this is for us today. It's an example of the destruction. The shame never goes away. I mean, you just you just carry it one form or other. And yet there's forgiveness, but eternal consequences and how well that is written. You know, after that story, the second point is almost mute. Adultery in perspective. Is it really that bad? But I'm going to touch on it just for a few minutes because it does offer a very powerful contrast. Proverbs 6, 30 through 35, the teacher says, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry. But if he's, he's caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. Verse 32, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. 
For jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse though you multiply gifts. What is he talking about? Kind of common sense. If, if someone, you, you catch somebody out in your garden and they've got a five-gallon bucket full of your tomatoes or heads of lettuce or your prized watermelon and you look at them and you go out there and you're about to beat them and then you see and they're emaciated and maybe there's kids hanging, hiding at the edge of the woods. They're just, they're practically dying of starvation, but they're stealing and it's wrong. But you understand, you get it. They're hungry. They need food to live. They need food for their families. I get it. And there's even compensation that can be made. Fivefold was the law. Sevenfold went above and beyond. So if you steal, even though you're starving or hungry, you still have to give back and make it right. And we get that. We understand that. And he contrasts that with adultery. And he says, but we, we don't get this. This makes absolutely no sense. There's no reason to it. You don't have to feed your lust to live. And so if you get caught doing this, the the man's going to be mad if the woman's involved. And I don't care how many gifts you bring to him, fivefold or sevenfold, it's not going to be enough because of the destruction and the harm that you brought to this family. It's unreasonable. It's unlawful. And this guy might understand about the food, but there is no understanding here. He takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. And will you will be refused. It, it, it's a sober, these are sober passages that bring us into to the broken homes. It brings us into the emotions of the people that have gone through this. There's another... Practically a whole chapter in chapter 7, verses 4 through 23, that I can't even touch on. Uh, but I would recommend that you write it down and read it. We don't have time to do that. But it's an eyewitness account where the teacher's up in his room on the porch and he's actually watching, looking into town and he sees it go down. He sees the adulterous woman, then he sees the naive person heading that way, doesn't pick up on any of the clues, and of course leads to destruction. But we'll have to pass that one and move on to the last point. Warnings to avoid the adulteress. As if these examples aren't enough, the teacher still feels the need to comment on this and offer even more warnings. Sons, listen to me, Proverbs seven twenty four. And be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way of Shoal, going down to the chambers of death. He's basically saying it's a history of destruction. You're not the first. You're not going to be the last. Stand clear. It happens the same way. There's no exceptions to this rule. It is always wrong. It is always bad. It is always destructive. Proverbs 23, 26 through 28. My son, give me your heart. Verse 27. A prostitute is a deep pit and adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. She's proactive. She's aggressive. She has a long record of enticing men and men having a long record of falling prey. 
So, <clears throat> she's dangerous. Um, there's a proverb here in 5, 7 through 23, another long chapter that I don't have time to uh, develop this morning. But it talks about what we might call buyer's remorse. It, it talks about the guy who has done this and he just says, what have I just done? And he's beside himself over this and the destruction that it brings. Then lastly, Proverbs 11 through 22. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout, you've heard this one before, is a beautiful woman without discretion. So the physical beauty of an immoral woman makes her as hideous as what we would call a rotten, stinking pig. That's the contrast there in Proverbs. Proverbs 30, 20, last scripture. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. So she lacks an, an astonishing amount of any kind of morals, any kind of wisdom, any kind of understanding. She doesn't fear the Lord. It's just like another day, another dollar. It's just a victim. She's out of touch with reality, Proverbs would say. So as we close, you think about how, how kind it is uh, for God to not just talk to us about the good fluffy things, but to warn us about the very harmful Destructive things. Scripture is very, very practical. It's very, very down to earth. And these are things that if we have not already, you will most assuredly face these kind of things in your life. Because we live in evil time. And how do we fight that? How do we overcome it? We overcome it with wisdom. And where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord. Pour into God. Pour into God's grace, long for it, thirst for the wisdom and understanding that comes from Christ. And we have an opportunity to worship the Lord now and to partake of the Lord's Supper. God offers forgiveness. Like R.C. Jr., I thought was very, very well written. God offers forgiveness for those that sincerely repent. Doesn't make sense. It's not fair that he would do that, that he would be so kind and gracious. But he does. I would recommend that we partake of that prophetic office and enjoy the Lord's forgiveness if we need to press in to God. We have a personal responsibility to seek out that which has offered to deliver us. Now, how do you transition from this to a time of praise and worship? I thought, poor Shane. What's he going to do? Well, everybody. Well, here. Here's a little transition. That's forbidden. Worship is not forbidden. Worship is welcomed. Worship is befitting. It is befitting for the saints to praise the Lord. So let's enter in time into a time of worship. And may God bless the preaching of his word.